Hey, everybody, get ready for an informative episode from Parents' Rights in Education. I'm Suzanne Gallagher, and I'm looking forward to our time together. We stand and defend the fundamental rights of all parents to raise their children and firmly believe children belong to their families, not the state, not the teachers, the teachers' union, or any other bureaucrat. I invite you to visit our website, parentsrightsined.org. Sign up to receive our news alerts. Like our Facebook page. Join or form a Parents' Rights and Education affiliate chapter. Making your voice heard is always easier with others. Just grab a couple friends and you're there. We will help with training, information, branding, and contact referrals. Let's start a Facebook group for you. Submit the chapter inquiry form on our website, parentsrightsined.org. So glad you're joining me today. It's Suzanne Gallagher, and we are learning all about the National Education Association. This episode is titled Money and Power. Our last episode covered information about the history of the NEA up to and through the September 11 attacks, four coordinated terrorist attacks by the Wahhabi Islamist terrorist group Al-Qaeda against the United States on the morning of Tuesday, September 11, 2001. In the summer of 2002, as the first anniversary of the 9-11 terrorist attacks neared, the NEA again posted guidelines on its national website stating that classroom teachers should not, should not suggest any group was responsible for the previous year's atrocities. Rather, the union advised teachers to have their students discuss historical instances of American intolerance. The NEA directed special praise to a 9-11 curriculum designed by Milwaukee fifth grade teacher Robert Peterson, who explained the importance of helping students to A, understand that they live in a global village, and B, ask why the attacks may have been aimed at America, and C, develop empathy for people elsewhere in the world. The NEA employs a larger number of political organizations than the Republican and Democratic National Committees combined. Fortune magazine routinely ranks the NEA among the top 15 in its Washington's Power 25 list of organizations that wield the greatest political influence over the American legislative system. The association has earned that rating in large measure by making almost 31 million in campaign contributions to political candidates since the early 90s. At least 95% of that total went to Democrats. The NEA derives most of its operating funds from the member dues that in almost every U.S. state are deducted automatically from teacher salaries. In 2010, these dues accounted for $357.5 million of the union's $376.5 million in total revenues. 
Of course, the NEA concerns itself not only with social and political issues in the United States and abroad, but it also is actively involved in negotiating the terms under which its member teachers work. For example, the union adamantly opposes merit pay or performance contracting for public school teachers, characterizing such a system as detrimental to public education. Delegates to the summer 2000 NEA convention openly declared their categorical opposition to any system of compensation based on an evaluation of an education employee's performance. In 2007, the union elaborated competency testing must not be used as a condition of employment, license retention, evaluation, placement, ranking, or promotion of licensed teachers. Not only is the NEA opposed to merit pay, but for decades it has manifested a marked hostility toward outstanding teachers. This is going to astound you. The example of world-famous math teacher Jamie Escalante is instructive. According to Escalante, the subject of the 1988 Hollywood movie Stand and Deliver, you may have seen it, who developed the most successful inner-city math program in America, teacher union officials chastised him for attracting too many students to his calculus classes. When Escalante finally resigned from the high school which he and his students had made famous, the local union teacher officials circulated a celebratory note that read, We got him out. That is shameful. The NEA is similarly opposed to vouchers, which would permit teachers to divert a portion of their tax dollars away from the public school system and to use those funds instead to help cover the tuition costs for private schools to which they might prefer to send their children. In the NEA's calculus, such voucher programs compromise the association's commitment to free, equitable, universal in quality public education for every student. Obviously, they don't understand how the program works, right? Helping the NAA to lobby against vouchers and parental no- choice have been such organizations as the American Civil U- Liberties Union, the NAACP, and the People for the American Way. No surprise. Seeking to minimize competition for that government money, the teachers' unions invariably oppose the use of school vouchers, which, according to the NEA, comprise the association's commitment to free, equitable, universal, and quality public education for every student. Further, the NEA asserts that voucher systems only encourage economic, racial, ethnic, and religious stratification in our society, which is absolutely false, not true. At its 2007 National Convention in Philadelphia, the NEA passed a number of resolutions that were designed, like its uh, anti-voucher platform, 
to discredit and undermine other educational initiatives that threaten to compete with the public schools. For instance, the association claimed that homeschooling programs based on parental choice cannot provide the student with a comprehensive education experience and stipulated that homeschool students should not be permitted to participate in any extracurricular activities in the public schools. Other NEA resolutions were likewise intended to promote maximum government expenditures on public education. For example, the association stated that full-day, everyday kindergarten programs should be fully funded. Federal, state, and local governments should provide uh, funds sufficient to make pre-kindergarten available for all three- and four-year-old children. And tax dollars should support early childhood education programs in the public schools for children from birth through age eight. Did you hear that? Birth? through age eight, and early childhood education programs should include a full continuum of services, including child care, child development, diversity-based curricula, special education, and appropriate bias-free screening devices. So now you can see that Hillary Clinton's plan for socialized daycare is being implemented through the public school system, as they originally planned. The NEA also contends that excellence in the classroom can best be attained by small class size, the optimum being 15 students in regular programs and a proportionately lower number in programs for students with exceptional needs. While such a policy is clearly compatible with the union's desire to maximize the number of school teachers on the public payroll, there is a considerable body of evidence suggesting that class size is wholly unrelated to student performance. The NEA ranks among the most influential entities in modern American politics. Journalist Raf Toledano wrote in 2003, the NEA's openly avowed goal today is to tap the legal political, and economic powers of the U.S. Congress. It wants sufficient clout to roam the halls of Congress and collect votes to reorder the priorities of the United States of America. Specifically, the NEA's closest political ties are with the Democratic Party. In 1976, the union used its financial resources and manpower to help elect Jimmy Carter, to the U.S. presidency. After the election, Carter, in turn, thanked the union by creating the Department of Education in 1979, prompting one NEA executive to boast that this was the only union in the United States with its own cabinet department. At recent Democratic National Conventions, up to a quarter of the delegates have been members of the teachers' unions. Today, the NEA is a member organization of the America Votes Coalition of Get Out the Vote organizations. America Votes is itself a member of the so-called Shadow Party, a nationwide network of activist groups whose agendas are ideologically left and which are engaged in campaigning for the Democrats. NEA's fellow American Votes Coalition members include 
America Coming Together, the American Association for Justice, the American Federation of Labor, Congress of Industrial Organizations, AFL-CIO, the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, a union, AFS-CME, the American Federation of Teachers, the Association of Community Organizations for Reform Now, ACORN, the Defenders of Wildlife Action Fund, Democracy for America, Emily's List, the League of Conservation Voters, the Media Fund, the MoveOn.org Voter Fund, the National Abortion and Reproductive Rights Action League, NARAL, Pro-Choice America, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, that's the NAACP, and the National Voter Fund. People for the American Way, PFAW, uh, the Planned Parenthood Action Fund, the Service Employees International Union, SEIU, the Sierra Club, U.S. Action, and 21st Century Democrats. Of the $341 million the NEA received from September 04 to August 05, some $295 million came from member dues. In turn, many of those revenues were used to promote political agendas and candidates, almost all of them Democrats. For several decades, the NEA has been among the largest contributors of money and personnel to the Democrat Party and its candidates. Between 1990 and 2008, 93% of the union's political donations went to Democrats. And virtually all of the rest went to the most liberal Republicans running in primaries, not in general elections, to tilt the political playing field even farther left. As reporter Lowell Ponte puts it, the astronomical amount of political money thus coerced from workers in the lifeblood of the Democratic Party, the NEA functions as a giant money laundering machine for the Democrats. The Democrats impose laws that let the union take a big piece of every employee's paycheck, which in public schools comes from the taxpayers. And the unions pay for this power and privilege by splitting this taxpayer money with partisan Democrat politicians to keep the machine operating. Public schools are the ultimate example of this synergy, not only because they are government monopolies, but also because already taxed parents are required by law to school their children, to offer their offspring as hostages to this money-extorting government union machine. Because the NEA works so closely with the Democratic Party, it promotes the leftist ideologies and worldviews reflected in its aforementioned resolutions. Studies have shown that as few as 40% of NEA members are Democrats. The remaining 60% splitting evenly between Republicans and independents. I'm going to say that again. That is just astonishing. 40% of NEA members are Democrats, and the remaining 60% splitting evenly between Republicans and independents. According to the NEA's own internal polling, half of the union's members identify themselves as conservative. Yet, The NEA, like other unions, 
claims an absolute right to spend dues as it sees fit, regardless of the viewpoints of the teachers it nominally represents. I want to bring your attention to my podcast with Kate Bowers. If you're a teacher, you can get out of the union and you owe it to yourself to do so. The NEA has a permanent paid full-time staff of at least 1,800 United Service employees who function as political operatives, more than the Republican and Democrat parties combined. In a presidential election year, this army of Union foot soldiers is tantamount to a political donation of more than $100 million to Democrats. They are trained at radical boot camps, paid and typically given graduate school credit for attending. One NEA handbook is titled Alinsky for Teacher Organizers and teaches activists how to use the confrontation and pressure tactics of the late radical leftist Saul Alinsky. As Joel Mowbray reports in a Capital Research Center study, the Virginia-based Landmark Legal Foundation in recent years has investigated the NEA for for possible illegal use of tax-exempt funds. According to LLF President Mark Levin, the NEA has kept information from its dues-paying members and general public that clearly shows improper use of tax-exempt money to influence elections. LLF's investigation traces its path back to the 1996 presidential election when the NEA was a key constituent of a National Coordinated Campaign Steering Committee whose function was to help Democrats win as many national, state, and local elections as possible. To determine campaign strategy for Democratic candidates at all levels of government and to coordinate spending on their behalf. Joining the NEA on this committee were the AFL-CIO, the 1996 Clinton-Gore campaign, and the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the Democratic Governors Association, the Democratic Leadership Campaign Committee, the Democratic National Committee, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, and EMILY's List. Because the NEA is a tax-exempt organization, the federal government places certain restrictions on how the union may use its immense revenues. This is where it gets good, guys. I've been wondering about this for a while. Specifically, the government requires that whatever funds a union earmarks for political activities designed to influence an election must be disclosed on IRS Forms 990 and 1120, P.O.L., the latter of these must be filed by any tax-exempt group whose political expenditures exceed $100 in a single calendar year. Did you hear that? $100. And requires some disclosure about the details of those donations. Hey, listen, Parents' Rights in Education is very, is very aware of this. We are 501c3 tax-exempt organization. Yet, from 1994 to 1996, the NEA reported that it spent no money at all on politics. That sounds like an outright lie to me. 
This is because an honest disclosure of its political expenditures would have entitled union members, if they objected to having their mandatory dues used for financing Democrat causes, to recover the portion of those dues that had been so earmarked. Also, the union revenues used for partisan political purposes were taxable in certain cases. Contrary to its claim that its political expenditures were non-existent, the NEA not only spent millions of dollars on issue ads and get-out-the-vote drives for Democrats, but it also coordinated its campaign strategies with the Democratic National Committee, the DNC. Confirming this was a key piece of evidence acquired by the FEC, an unsigned coordinated campaign memo from Democratic Representative Bob Etheridge, This memo stated, and I quote, when the DNC and its national partners, including the AFL-CIO and the NEA, agree on the contents of a plan, each national partner will give their funding commitment to the state. In other words, the NEA disapproved of a particular state strategy. It could prevent its partners, the DNC and the AFL-CIO, from funding it and the measure could effectively be stopped. This was akin to a veto power over Democratic Party political action plans. In other words, the NEA dictated terms to the DNC, not vice versa. Those of us who have long dismissed the National Education Association as a tool of the Democratic Party have been badly mistaken, wrote columnist William McGurn in 2001 in the Wall Street Journal. Apparently, it's just the opposite. It's the Democratic Party that is the tool of the NEA. Beginning in 2005, new federal rules required large labor unions like the NEA to report in greater detail to the U.S. Department of Labor how they spent their money. Under these new disclosure regulations, it was confirmed that an immense amount of NEA money was being spent for purposes having nothing to do with the union's purported priorities. For example, better wages, benefits, and working conditions for teachers and school staff. For example, the NEA reported that during 0405 fiscal year, it had spent $56.8 million on union administration. Seriously? $25 million on political activities and lobbying, and only $65.5 million on contributions, gifts, and grants. In other words, it is possible that up to $90.5 million, the sum of the latter two categories of expenditures, was earmarked for leftist political candidates, organizations, and causes. Now, I'm going to read you a short list. I'm going to tighten it up here. But among these expenditures were the following. to various Democratic political consultants and strategists. $500,000 to protect our public schools, to campaign against public charter schools in Washington State. $300,000 to Citizens United to protect our public safety, to oppose property tax limits in Maine. $25,000 to the National Coalition on Health Care. $75,000 to the Ballot Initiative Strategy Center, which seeks to help left-wing organizations more effectively to fight for social, environmental, and economic justice. $45,000 to the League of United Latin American Citizens. Latin American Citizens? $45,000. 
$25,000 to the North Carolina Democratic Party Building Fund. $400,000 to the fund to protect Social Security, which seeks to defeat personal investment accounts. Oh my goodness. $10,000 to the Rock the Vote Education Fund. $249,000 to the Floridians for all committee which supports the construction of a permanent progressive infrastructure that will help redirect Florida politics in a more progressive democratic direction. That's in quotes, guys. 250,000 to Alliance for 250,000 to Alliance for Nevada's working families to support a ballot measure to increase the minimum wage. What does that have to do with the National Education Association. And 600000 to committees for quality education, a political advocacy group created by the NEA. $45,000 to the Economic Policy Institute, a left-wing, left-wing think tank um, that, that regularly issues reports claiming that, the, that education is underfunded. That's all they do is... is Regularly report how underfunded education is and that teachers are underpaid. $45,000. Wow. Oh, oh, 5000 to Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Push Coalition. 15000 to the Human Rights Campaign, America's largest gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender civil rights organization. 51000 to People for the American Way. And 40,000 to Brazil and Associates. Hmm, that name's familiar. A firm headed by longtime Democratic Party consultant and campaign manager Donna Brazil, which provides diversity training for American businesses and all types of training for political activists. What wasn't clear before is how much of a part of the teachers' unions play in the wider liberal movement and the Democrat Party, said Michael Antonucci of the Education Intelligence Agency, a California-based watchdog group. They're like some philanthropic organization that passes out grant money to interest groups. We'll wind this up next time. Unbelievable. Thanks for listening. We'd love to have you join us please fill out the form on our website called Join Us. Oh, and one last thing. Would you be willing to support us financially? We are 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. And that means that you can take a tax deduction for any amount you give. I encourage you to join the 12 by 12 club. That's $12 a month for 12 months. If you do that, you will receive a complimentary parent guide as long as supplies last. Go to our website, parentsrightsined.org and click on the donate button. Thanks so much for joining us and helping us do what we do here. This is Suzanne Gallagher and this is Parents' Rights Now.